Hey everybody, and welcome back to the Backseat Fanatic, brought to you by The Bolt. I'm your host, Ryan Brown, and joining me as he always does for our third episode, co-host Maddie Classic. Yeah, man, excited to be back. Had a really good game this weekend, excited to talk about it. Yeah, my audio should be a little better today, which I'm also excited about, so when we come back, we're going to get right into the first half. All right, so we're going to start off by talking about uh, the first half of our game the other day against Tennessee. We came out differently than we have in most of the games yeah. this season. No, I was surprised to see that. Yeah, there's going to be some things that were right on par with how we normally play and caused problems for us or were good for us, and then there's going to be a couple things that were drastically different. This was the first one. We started 8-0 on back-to-back Jabari Walker and Tristan De Silva threes, and then got a steal and... De Silva missed a layup, but Elay Parquet got the putback. So we start up 8-0, and Rick Barnes called his first time out. So things were going super well for CU to begin the game. Absolutely. It was funny. You sent me a text message because we were watching the game in two separate areas. You go, you know, we might be better than this team. And I know it was early in the game, but it was just it was kind of cool to see that we actually like came out hot for once for a very <laughs> a, ranked team. Yeah, I was a little excited at the beginning <laughs> of the game. But they came back. Their five-star point guard, he's a freshman. His name's Kennedy Chandler. He's a projected top five to eight pick in this upcoming NBA draft. We're going to talk a lot about him tonight, but he scored their first basket and cut it to eight, two. So they got going after that. Tennessee responds. They built it back to 10, six with about 15 minutes left to go in the first half. And then turnovers really started to slow Colorado down. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been struggling with turnovers all year. We're a young team. We've got a young backcourt. So turnovers are tough for us. And then Walker, same thing as I said earlier about things that are going to be tough for us going forward that were on par with how we normally play is Batty got his first foul early and he was okay. He actually, he only came out for like a couple minutes and then Mm -hmm. came back in and he didn't, he didn't get his second foul until I think late in the first half, but Jabari Walker got his first foul early and also head to the bench. That was really tough. So our first sub was Neat Clifford got the first call today and came in for Walker. Yeah, no, I thought that was a little interesting move by Tad Boyle. Yeah, I think it might've been because... Walker was coming out rather than one of the guards. Yeah, so that's it's Neek instead of mm-hmm. uh, Parquet or Bartholomew. And then Lovering and Simpson were into the game shortly later for the other two guys. So we're going kind of big right off the bat with Batty and Lovering in the game. And Walker going to the bench just really hurts us. So Tennessee takes their first lead 11-10 about eight minutes into the first half. Colorado was really hanging in there in the beginning of this game, and then the turnovers just kind of killed our lead. Started to started to build up. Tennessee was taking advantage of them. Yeah, no, that's definitely where they started to build their lead. Yeah, and they were scoring off turnovers too, which is tough for us. We've got to try to take care of the ball better because it was just leading opportunities for them, and we were playing really good defense. That's part of the reason we got out to the good start. So the less opportunities for them to score in transition, the better it probably would have been for us. With the score 14-13 in favor of Tennessee with about 11 and a half minutes left, Jabari Walker came back into the game and he got a second foul immediately. And you could tell he knew what was going on because he, he took off across the court and was just standing in the backcourt kind of jumping you up You could tell, down. yeah. It was the way he reacted to that. He knew, like, that shouldn't have happened. Yeah, and I, was, I believe it was an effort play. It was, a, it was a loose ball going for a rebound, kind of just got a little too antsy. And that's a tough foul because you you don't want to get mad at him for giving effort. But, again, in that situation, it really hurt us. Yeah, and we need him on the board. So, no, it's, it's good that he's going hard at the part of the basket trying to get rebounds. but. Losing Jabari Walker for, as we'll discuss, what's going to be the remainder of the first half really probably was the first defining factor in us not winning this game that was mm-hmm. winnable for a large majority of it until the, until the end. So he goes back to the bench 
with his second foul with 11 minutes and 30 seconds left approximately and sits for the entirety of the first half after that. And we're going to talk about that later, but that's part of what killed us. Moving on, Tennessee kind of starts to break ahead. Kenny Chandler really started getting downhill once he started putting pressure on us. Their offense kind of opened up. They took a 2017 lead with about seven minutes left. KJ Simpson was tasked with handling the ball a lot in this game, as he always is, but, you know, it's a big game. It's a hard backcourt. He got picked from behind twice. I just thought it was revealing. You know, he's been so good this season. We've been so high on him. He, He had a huge couple huge plays in the second half that really kept us in the game so I don't want to detract from him too much but we have not seen him be susceptible to pressure like no that absolutely was... yeah it was just two two little pick from behind neither one of them were actually turnovers they both went out of bounds so you know but it just kind of shows like he wasn't in control necessarily like in a way like he was kind of you know match the matchups weren't in our favor with him his defender definitely had his number a yeah. couple of times so Tennessee kind of started to break away. They built up to a 26-19 lead where things kind of started looking a little gray for the Buffaloes. Boyle went 10 deep in this game, which I thought was a little interesting. So two guys that played that haven't typically been in the rotation, Julian Hammond III, a freshman guard, and then Luke O'Brien, a sophomore, guards last forward. He and plays a wing. I believe he he brought the 10th guy in in the first half. Like, he did, He yeah, went yeah. 10 deep pretty quickly. Yeah, 10, 10 deep in the first 10 minutes, really, yeah. of the first half, or first 12 minutes of the first half. But with the score 26-19 and them kind of breaking away, Julian Hammond, the third, fresh off the bench, drills a huge corner three mm-hmm. that brought it to 26-22. And it seemed like we kind of had a chance to stick around in that game, maybe a little longer than we'd originally realized at that point in time because once once Kenny Chandler started getting downhill and they started building like five seven eight point lead it just it started looking a little bleak Mm -hmm. so this is where and I will say it's a little hard to say this in hindsight because well I'll just get into it Kennedy Chandler single-handedly had back-to-back-to-back drives to the rim to end the half on three consecutive possessions for Tennessee and brought what was a 26-22 four-point lead to when it ended up being 34-24 going into halftime. Down 10. We hadn't been down anywhere close to 10 the entire first half. Halftime score not really indicative of how well we played in the first half. But one issue with that is Jabari Walker sat from 11.30 to the end of the first half, and considering they were three back-to-back drives to the rim for Kennedy Chandler, it's, it's not like having Jabari Walker in the game would have fixed that perfectly. But you'd love to have him in there. It just helps to have your best player and your best defender and your most agile off-ball defender yeah. in the game, protecting the rim. They've got a point guard that's putting pressure on the rim like that. That that last two minutes of that half was it was deflating for CU. Kind of watching the game, and I can imagine for them because we're we're sticking with Tennessee. You know, it's very back and forth. We kind of were consistently down like a like a bucket or two. And then they go on that 6-0 run in the final, like, last minute 30 where it just back-to-back-to-back and we couldn't score. And that went from a four-point really close game at halftime to a 10-point game that's going to be really hard to crawl back into very quickly. So that was it was a little deflating at the end of the half. Well, and he goes right back at us in the second half, so I'm sure we'll keep talking about yeah. it. But part of the problem was he was getting, depending on how he wanted to, he was getting a highest pick-and-roll near half-quarter picking his matchup more or less mm-hmm. and then going to the rim and finishing at the rim you know he's it's like 511 we're not talking about <laughs> we're not talking about like some giant out there that we couldn't stop physically this kid's just really fast and he's really good at basketball mm-hmm. but he was getting at most one-on-one looks at the rim 
Yeah. There was never a second guy there. And so he was getting batty on him and getting the step on him. And blowing by him. And going right by Mm -hmm. him. Or if he was keeping the guard on him, he was just finishing one-on-one. And he just knows how to do that. He knows how to fight through the contact. Unbelievable finisher. He's so good. I mean, that's why he's such a highly projected NBA pick is because he's got, as an 18 or 19-year-old, finishing angles that many pros don't Mm -hmm. have already. He's going to be running an NBA team quite soon, but... He, we we couldn't let him keep finishing at the rim one on one, because he was he was either just beating his man and getting there one on one because he was faster than the guy who was guarding him, or he was just taking the contact and finishing through whatever was at the rim in front of him. If we'd had two guys on him, he would have had pass out. And you know, this is a great three point shooting team. He's not even their leading scorer, although he is now after this game. But you know, Vescovive over there on the wing shooting threes and everything. Which is why I think this one hurt a little more is because Tennessee shot two for eleven from three pointer in the first half, which I mean. That's not shooting the ball well, but also credit to our defense. You know, one thing we had mentioned last podcast is that we have to, you know, pr- protect the perimeter a lot better. And we did, we did very like a lot in the first half. And the fact that they had a ten point lead, shooting two for eleven, kind of sucks that we let uh, Kennedy Chandler do that to us. Exactly. So at half, down ten, we honestly we played pretty well. I'm gonna run down a couple stats that are not great for us, but honestly should be pretty telling as to why we should have still been in this game so they were 48 percent from the field and we were 35 percent at half so we're shooting worse percentage downtown not a big deal they're two of 11 from three like you said we're three of nine so we actually had the advantage there this is the next three stats of what were really killing us 26 to 12 tennessee points in the paint part of that a lot of that is kennedy chandler mm-hmm. as we said he was just getting to the rim and finishing at will down there and we were we were honestly struggling to get the ball in the post yeah. a little bit Mm-hmm. Um, turnover count five to twelve in favor of Tennessee at half. So Colorado had more than doubled their turnovers, and then this is the big thing from that: points off turnovers seventeen to two in favor of Tennessee. Mm-hmm. So they had fifteen point lead off of turnovers at halftime, and only a ten point lead in the game. And as we said, I mean they got the ten with a minute left in the first half. It was really a four or six point game yep. the majority of the first half at most. But we can't can't turn the ball over like that and then also allow teams to just score baskets at the rim that's, in transition. that's the thing is they were all transition points tennessee's very good in the open court um really forcing the issue i mean they're just getting to the hoop and finishing hard great finishers all of them fulkerson uh what is it Vescovive, um and then obviously kennedy chandler just really good in the open court making the right decision and uh that's that's where we really got hurt well, and one thing just really kind of killed us is they were struggling to score for the whole first half, really, until the last minute, minute and a half, two minutes. We probably have a six to eight point lead if the turnover count, even if it's just even. No, yeah. Or, or even if just, you know, we could have evened out the points off turnovers yeah. a little bit. We're probably winning this game at half. No, when when our defense got set up and Kennedy Chandler wasn't doing the high pick and roll, they didn't get many quality looks. You know? Yeah, no, they really didn't. They they shot long contested threes. Kennedy Chandler was shooting contested threes at the beginning of the game and missing them. He's not an amazing three-point mm-hmm. shooter. Uh, getting downhill is really his, his skill right now. So if we could have limited some of those rim looks, we would have been in a much better position going into the second half. All right, so coming into the second half, CU was down 10. And very quickly, we kind of erased that, thanks to De Silva. Um, he went on a little 5-0 spurt himself. 
having a really nice pull-up jumper from the elbow and then coming down next possession and hitting a huge three. And, I mean, just like that, we're back into the game. Crowd's kind of getting back into it, five-point lead. Crowd was live. Yeah. Crowd was live. Um, Turnovers then really started to hurt Tennessee. They became pretty sloppy with the basketball. I mean, that's credit to our defense, too. I think we came out, like, knowing if we were going to get back into this game, it was going to need to be through defense. But we just couldn't take advantage of that, man. Like, we'd have really good defensive stands and then go down and just kind of launch a three-pointer with, you know, like five seconds left in the shot clock. We were not getting quality looks. And when we don't, when we don't get, when we don't attack the rim, we don't really get open shots. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, after we cut it to five, you know, it just kind of Tennessee would score, it'd stay around, you know, like a seven, eight point game. Very much in it, though. And then we just became pretty stagnant on offense. Tough to get the ball inside. De Silva was really the only one who could get the ball inside. Batty kind of struggled all game, took him a little bit to get going. And then, I mean, I feel like you could tell Jabari Walker was just playing, he wasn't playing his style of basketball he wanted to play. Um, foul trouble really hurt him. I feel like he was playing more timid. He wasn't He wasn't being the aggressor like we've seen him in the past. He was definitely playing timid. I think he was really afraid because he knows how Boyle handles foul trouble. I think he was really afraid to pick up that third early because he knew he wouldn't see the court until the end of the game. Yeah. Um, and then we actually did a really good job getting to the free throw line in the second half. Um, we were starting to force the issue inside, making them fallows, but... I mean, we had five missed free throws within, it was like a three-minute span, which like really hurts us. De Silva had two, Batty had two, and KJ had one. And that's just, I mean, that those are just points that you can't leave out there versus a team like Tennessee. When I think, I think like right when those free throws came, they were still really struggling to score. And I think we were down like between four and eight points mm-hmm. for most of that span. Yeah. I mean, five free throws and we're back in the game. I guess that's my point. It would have been yeah. really helpful to have those. No, Absolutely. And then, dude, we just didn't have an answer for Kennedy Chandler. That high pick and roll, it, he, he started to realize that we couldn't stop him, and he just, every possession was doing it. You could kind of tell he knew this was working, and he was going to abuse it. And that's very much what he did. But we were hanging in there, you know. It, was, it really remained around a 7-8 point game. We were so close to just being right there. Um, I'll let you talk about this, because you were at the game, um, but K.J. Simpson had a dunk over about three Tennessee defenders with minute, uh, 10 minutes and 30 seconds left that really got the crowd back into it. Yeah, so we were down seven, had been roughly down seven to nine, flirting with five for like the last, I want to say four or five minutes really. Tennessee still hadn't picked it up offensively yet. Kennedy Chandler was just starting to come alive, and KJ Simpson had had a couple turnovers in the first half, and I think he had one more in the second half. You could tell he was a little frustrated with himself, but he got the ball kind of in transition. And, you know, he's one of the faster guys on the quarter, but he kind of just tore off a little bit like in Westbrook fashion and went down and dunked. On's a little generous, but with the three defenders around, three him, guys yeah. at the rim. I mean, it was. I don't think anyone in the gym, and besides maybe him, was expecting <laughs> him to dunk that. And, I'd probably put my money on he wasn't expecting No, I think either. he caught Tennessee off guard a little bit. He definitely caught Tennessee off guard. I'm not sure he didn't even catch himself off guard. But he just <laughs> rose up, two-hand dunk right on the fast break, and the the crowd erupted. And it really seemed like this was our opportunity to get back in the game. He cut it to five. Huge dunk. Momentum should have been in our favor. And then Tennessee goes down and quiets the crowd immediately. I mean... Like, ISO, high pick and roll, Kennedy Chandler, layup. So that one actually wasn't Kennedy Chandler. That was, uh, I believe that was Volkerson. But 
immediately. I believe Kennedy Chandler set it up. Oh, you're right. It was the. It was, it was just a little layup. Yeah, it was a little layup. Um, but that's fine. Well, that killed my bit. Um, that's fine. It, but Kennedy Chandler was the next one. So we that quiets the crowd a little bit. But crowd's still in it. We go down. We score again. Another good bucket. Um, this was the Kennedy Chandler one where he he knew how to quiet the crowd. I mean, it just sucked, dude. We we'd get back into the game and Tennessee every time responded, you know. And that's just it. It felt like like you said we were flirting with it, but every time Tennessee really shut us down. Well, they couldn't really guard us. You know, we were bigger than them and longer than them, and we weren't we weren't playing amazing offense personally, but they weren't playing great defense mm-hmm. either. I mean, Colorado just couldn't get a couple of the stops that we needed to really shave the lead down. Every yeah. time we would score, they just we couldn't get the stop either. So no, and I I had talked to this about this to you after the game, but it it never felt like we hit the shot. Like you know, we we'd get within five, we'd play good defense, we'd go down there. We'd hook up a three, you know, hoping it goes in. Leads cut to two, very much a game. And that, that shot just never f- fell for us during that game. And uh, it was just, that's that's tough to see when we're right there, but we could just never capitalize. Um, so with about eight minutes left, you know, uh, I believe it was like a seven, eight point game, kind of how it's been for the majority of the second half. Tennessee kind of kind of ends it. They hit back-to-back threes. The lead grows to 11. And really, you just you felt deflated because you were really in it, lead cut to 11, and now you're going to come back from an 11-point lead versus the 13th best team in the country in eight minutes. Well, and it was tough, too, because we'd been, we'd been playing pretty good perimeter defense, as we mentioned. They hadn't really been shooting the three well. They'd been killing us at the rim, but it's like, all right, as long as we're playing well guarding the perimeter. And then just back-to-back contested threes on... I mean, they, they were 30 seconds apart mm-hmm. of game time. And just like that, the game the game was almost out of reach yeah. already with seven and a half minutes left. Yeah. So, I mean, and like you said, they, they didn't do that in the first half. And I think that's a lot of the reason we hung around is because they didn't go down and have a six-point swing in 30 seconds. Um, but Tennessee's got a really good backcourt, and we figured that was going to happen at some point. And it did, and it's it really felt deflating. So, you know, we went down 11 um, with eight minutes to go. It kind of hung around there for a little bit. Um, I think we got it back to like eight or nine at one point, but five minutes left. Who I give Batty credit. He actually stayed out of foul trouble. That's one of that was one of our keys to the game. Is Batty needs to be more disciplined, and he actually was. So credit to him for that. Yeah, because he got his first in the first minute, and then really no, and really we, I think I think me and you were both kind job. of in in the back of our head. We're like, ah, oh, could this be another Batty game where he plays you know fifteen minutes? Um, but very disciplined um, until we, the last five minutes. He got three and four pretty quickly, and uh, those were on back to back defensive possessions. Mm-hmm. Got the foul call. Ten seconds later, they immediately go back to Fulkerson, and he got his fourth. And when that happened, I just I I felt like it was over then. You know, if it wasn't over with eight minutes left, it it was over then. And yeah, there was about four minutes and forty seconds left. I think we were still. I think it was sixty to forty nine. Yeah, down eleven still. We some points had been scored, but same margin. We're down eleven, and then Batty didn't go to the bench with four because there's kind of no point with no. five minutes left. He stayed on the court, so it's not like we lost Batty, but it just changes the whole landscape of the game yeah. and batty's got four he can't even you know muscle his way yeah. in there for a rebound yeah. without worrying about possibly um so and then the final score ended 69 to 54 
which I don't think that final score tells the tale because, I mean, this was a very closely fought game through the majority of the game besides, you know, the final, like, seven or eight minutes. I think there's a lot of positive takeaways that, you know, CU hangs with really good basketball teams. Yeah, I was going to say, to me personally, it seemed like they were, I'd say it seems like they were clearly the better team, but we knew that. They're in the SEC, they're ranked number 13th in the country. Like, we knew they're supposed to be better than us, but it didn't seem like we were in a game that was out of our league, which I think is really important. No, by no means. And, you know, one thing we had talked about last time is it'll be interesting to see how we can compete with these teams. And, I mean, credit to our young team, you know, I know Tennessee's got some young players, but their young players are, you know, top five NBA draft picks. Um, yeah, Kennedy Chandler is not our... You know, no. He's not on a level <laughs> with your typical freshman in the country. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean... He's I mean, he's one of the best ball, handling, ball handlers in the country. It was weird actually comparing him to Tiger right after we watched Tiger because, mm-hmm. you know, I, I called Tiger the best point guard in the country. Might have to take that back. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, and I'm sure there's multiple people there's, I would have to take it back for, yeah. but point being is that's the difference between an amazing college point guard and a surefire top 10 NBA pick. Yeah, no, definitely. So to get into some takeaways from the game, um, we'll start with the negatives. Bad first again, baby. Yeah. Jabari Walker did not play at all in the first half. Played a little bit more in the second half. But, I mean, what, he play six minutes in the first half? Yeah, I think it was five and a half, six minutes in the first half. I mean, no, you you can't expect a game, to win a game when your best player, talent-wise, is not playing. It kind of sucks. I know we we could have been a little... We were a little critical saying, you know, maybe he should have played a little more in the first half because there's no point in saving him. But, I mean, we were, we were only down four points the, the majority of the first half. So I get the reason for not playing him, but... It yes, just, I just I would say first foul with sixteen and a half minutes left in the first half goes to the bench, comes back with twelve minutes left, and is back on the bench by eleven minutes in the first half. Yeah, I, just, I understand that the responsibility on him is not to draw foul calls like that if he wants to stay on the court. But at the same time, I think I think Boyle's got to recognize that yeah, we play nine, but there's about there's three or four guys that need to be on the court as much as possible, mm-hmm. and Jabari Walker is at the top of that list. And, I mean, you can talk about the second point. I was going to say, it kind of leads into our second one. So we kind of discussed this. You know, we said we probably won't be bigger and stronger than Tennessee, which we weren't We weren't smaller than them, like, especially height and length-wise. Like, we actually are bigger than them, but we lost the paint battle in the game on Saturday. So Fulkerson, Tennessee's big. Just being honest, he kind of outplayed Batty. Batty yeah. couldn't get position on him like he's used to. He didn't control the boards like we're used to. We, I mean, we did beat them on the boards. It was 37-34 total. But today, it we were able to see, like, not having a traditional center and what that means. Batty just, he, he couldn't, if he can't get to his moves in the right spot, then it's kind of yeah. hard for him to score. And if the other team has a big that can box him out and stuff, it's kind of hard to, he's not doing his job no, in the I'm, paint necessarily. I mean, we, we had mentioned it before, but, Batty didn't never got going this game. Never got going. Um, and he is a he's a pretty streaky player, you know. Um, in the uh, in the, I believe this is a UCLA game. Um, no, it's a Stanford game. He got going, and I mean, he I think he scored like at some point he scored like twelve of our fifteen points during that stretch. Right. And he just it, it's tough when he never gets going because he's a very emotional player. And then with Jabari Walker not playing, you know, those are our, 
our two best offensive players not getting involved in this game. And our two, our two main guys in the front court, which is important. This is a really big negative for the first half. It's not as big for the second half. The points in the paint count total was 42 to 28, so we lost by 14 on the points in the paint. Now, it was 26 to 12 at half, which is a 14-point differential, yeah. so it means we actually scored evenly in the paint in the second half, which is big, and part of that was Batty. Batty did get a few more looks on the inside than he got in the first half, but you just I mean, if you give up a 14-point deficit and points in the paint in the first half, it's going to be hard to recover. Mm-hmm. And that leads into our next point, where all these points were coming from. We didn't really have any rim protection on Kennedy Chandler. And like I said, I mean, we're not we're not talking about a 7-foot center that's, you know, just kind of like freak athlete, freak body. We're talking about a 5'11 point guard. Yeah. Somebody that we should be able to stop at the rim in theory, but we kind of just, there was nothing we could do. No. He was, he was killing us. Yeah. And... I mean, to beat good teams, we're going to have to protect them a little better than that. You can't be giving up huge deficits and points in the paint, and you, you can't have no line of defense at the rim. Mm-hmm. It's the easiest place to score. Yep. Another one, turnovers. I mean, it was worse in the first half because I actually think we came out in the second half and Tennessee was turning the ball over a decent amount, but first half turnovers, um, killing us, and points off turnovers. I think it was, what, 17-2 to two at halftime with points off turnovers. You know, that's that's a 15-point margin, and... Lost by 15. You know, exactly. I know that doesn't, you know, completely tell the story, but. Well, and yeah, I mean, it was, the t- final turnover count was 15 to 11 total. Yeah. 12, 4 at half. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, second half we took care of the ball. We w- will take three turnovers and a half every single half if we I was going to say, but you can't turn the ball over 12 times. Can't turn the ball half. over 12 times in the first half. And expect to win against a ranked team. I was going to say, especially as like, you know, we talked about this last time, almost like turnover jitters coming out in these big games. But at the same time, like, if we don't come out with turnover jitters in this big game against Tennessee, I'm not going to say we would have won the game, but we, we might have been in a closer game throughout. If, yeah. Because we probably could have built ourselves a 12 to 14 That's point lead in the first is, half. We're, we're not down. We're not down 10 points with exactly. five minutes to go. If, if we're up eight, we're up 10, we're up 12, even if we're up four or six at halftime against Tennessee, it's just a different confidence booster. It's a mm-hmm. different outlook going into the rest of the game. Absolutely. Moving on, this was a big one. So free throw shooting, we mentioned we missed five straight at that one period in the second half where Tennessee was turning the ball over, and it would have been really huge if we could have scored some points in that period. But we were 12-19, that's 63.2% on the game. The reason I'm bringing this up more than anything is last season, the 2020-2021 college basketball season, Colorado was the second best free throw shooting team in the nation behind Oral Roberts by 0.1%. We shot 81.9%. That's top five in Power Five conferences, and we're only shooting 71.7% from the free throw line this year, so not terrible. We're actually still top, like, I think 25 or 30 in the nation. It's not horrible, no. but it's 10% worse than our shot, our mark last year mm-hmm. with largely the same players. You know, we lost McKinley Wright, and we have a couple freshmen playing, but other than that, like, we're playing similar rotation to last year. Yeah. We're going to need to make some more foul shots, especially in big games against teams mm-hmm. like Tennessee, you just can't be going 12-19. and 19. You can't no. leave seven free points on the yep. free throw line. It's just, that's not a great way to go. I think we missed two one-on-ones, too, which, I mean, it, it only, in the box score, it's only missing one, but it, you're missing out on two points there. Yeah, exactly. That's a that's a really good point. I'm glad you brought that up, is that, yes, multiple of these in college basketball are one-on-ones, one so if you miss the first one, you're also leaving another point at the line. Yep. It's not even, it doesn't even show up on the stat, stat sheet, but that's another point you're leaving at the line. So. To get into the positives, there are definitely a few from this game. I think number one was Tristan Da Silva. He played a phenomenal Absolutely. basketball game. He is very good at basketball, and it's it's clear to anyone watching him. I know me and you, we love when the ball is in his hands. And Quite simply, he needs the ball in his hands more. Absolutely. 
I know college basketball, there's a little, there's some more boxes that go into it than professional basketball or even the high school level below it. College basketball is kind of specific in this way. But especially with him being from Europe, you know, I don't care that he's a 6'10 forward. He is better with the ball in his hands than a lot of mm-hmm. our guards. And, you know, there, there's a lot of factors for that. Like we talked about, you know, we would have to we'd have to do an hour to break down the differences between European basketball and American basketball. We don't have time for that. But there's just a different level of maturity and a different level of poise and responsibility that comes from being a European basketball player and being used to having the ball in your hands over there with grown men that are pros than it is. I was going to say, you you can tell that he's been playing high-level basketball for a lot longer than some of these kids. And that's not, you know, disrespecting any of these kids, but it's just it's different over there. He has been playing against grown men for a while, and it's clear because he is so comfortable with the ball in his hands. He was our playmaker this game. Yeah, he was 11 points, 3 rebounds, 2 assists on 4 of 7 shooting and 2 of 2 from 3. And that was the lowest amount of shots in the starting lineup besides Eli Parquet, who is kind of our defensive stopper, mm-hmm. and then less shots than K.J. Simpson off the bench. But he was our most efficient scorer. Yeah. So I think he definitely needs more shots. I think we should. he might be our best shooter. Uh, he really might be. Yeah. I, I don't know between him and Bartholomew, but... He, he was two of two from three. Both of them are swishes, and then he was one of one com- coming off a screen at the high elbow in the high post. Mm-hmm. I just, I think for this offense to get baskets, which is part of our problem right now because we're so good defensively and rebounding wise, I think Tristan needs to be coming off screens a little more, and we need to, we need to think of him more as like a, as someone you're trying to create opportunities for. Yeah, and I, kn- I know his his skills and his his ability to play like a glue guy almost makes you want to not force the ball in his hands, but. He's not playing with other pros right now. He's playing with other college players, yeah. and he might be our best shooter slash scorer. Yeah. So I think he definitely needs more shots, mm-hmm. just more looks. And then another positive, and we kind of already touched on this, but we have shown in our last two games against Tennessee and UCLA that we have an ability to stick in games with highly ranked opponents playing four. No, because we played Luke O'Brien. So I'm pretty sure we played five sophomores yep. and three freshmen in this game. <laughs> I mean... That that's something you should smile about as a CU fan. Yeah, so Hammond, Lovering, and KJ, three freshmen, mm-hmm. and then Bartholomew, De Silva, Walker, Neat Clifford, and Luke O'Brien. Yep. Yeah, so we played played eight guys that are younger than twenty years old on Saturday, and we were within five with seven and a half minutes left against the thirteenth ranked Tennessee, mm-hmm. who, as we've said. Is ranked number thirteen. They've got an NBA player in their backcourt. This team's got some grit to them, right? We, I mean, we have back-to-back double-digit losses to UCLA and Tennessee. Neither one of them was a win. I'll acknowledge that, mm-hmm. but I do think that this team has shown there's at least the possibility of us being on par with top fifteen teams in the nation. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's long, personally, before we're in the top twenty-five. I don't think so either. I I think if we win the Pac-12 games that we should win. You know, we're going to struggle against UCLA. We're going to struggle against USC. Oregon's always a matchup. Yep. I think if we win the games that we're supposed to win, there is a decent chance that we're ranked heading into March. I would absolutely agree. All right, moving on. We're running out of time. So last thing we want to talk about, Drew Carter, Colorado's, he was our backup this season. I believe he's... Backup quarterback. Backup quarterback, yeah. I should, I should clarify. We, yeah. are, we are currently talking about football. Drew Carter <laughs> is the backup of the football team. He was also a standout basketball player in high school. He was mm-hmm. the fourth-ranked player 
in the state of Oregon, and he was the 50th ranked shooting guard in the entire class of 2021. He is now working out with the basketball team as well. Yeah, that's uh, that's an interesting one. Kind of reminds you of high school when you know the the football team just ended their season and the basketball players come over to practice. You know, a few weeks late on everyone else. Exactly. Uh, I don't know Boyle's comments. He kind of he approached it very diplomatically. Glad glad to have him. Want to see what he can do. Want to get him working in. Give him some time to get comfortable. But he pretty much said it was a tryout. Yeah, that's that's kind of what it sounded like. Uh, I don't think Drew Carter is going to come on out of nowhere and quarterback the basketball team and fix our point guard problem or anything like that and, you know, make us stop turning the ball over. But I do think it's interesting. He's he's a good athlete. He's got good size. Mm-hmm. Clearly, he's smart and respected in the CU athletics department. I'm sure there was some sort of conversation yeah. between the football coach and Boyle before that transaction happened. So, I mean, it's at least something to watch. No, it's exciting. He's a phenomenal shooter. I watched um, some of his high school highlights. Um, really good, really good shooter. Like, better than our players? Um, I mean, that's Maybe? I. I was watching a highlight, so you, you can't. You can, I can't say that definitively, and we're not in the practices, so we can't speak on to how he's playing in practice. I was going to say, are, Versus, are we sticking Drew Carter in the corner and getting five <laughs> shots a game? It's, I don't think... I don't. I don't think we might not be far from that though, because if I mean if he can stroke the ball like he did in high school, then that's I mean that's a huge boost to this team. That's we're not the we're not that's not the best three point shooting team out there. So if we can have someone who would come off the bench, um, maybe come in clutch times and would, that would get the fans going. Having having our quarterback uh, come in and hit some three pointers for us, I think that would uh, that would be fun for everyone to watch for sure. I was going to say, can we get Brandon Lewis on the team, too? <laughs> Just run both of them out there? Just two quarterbacks? Uh, so, yeah, definitely uh, something to keep an eye on, and uh, we'll keep you all updated as that situation develops, too. So. And the last thing, I just wanted to say, shout-out to the Colorado student section. Tad Boyle had made comments in the week about how if he couldn't get the CU event center full for a game against Tennessee, he didn't know why he was scheduling games like Tennessee. And we weren't at 100% capacity, but... We had a really big crowd overall, and the student section in particular really showed out and was loud. So just, it's good to be back in the arena. No, definitely. College kids just, excited to watch Just their, fun atmosphere, man. Yeah, it's nice to be back after COVID and everything. Student section's cheering for college sports again. Yeah, it makes it, I mean, that it, it encourages the team, it encourages the players, encourages the fans. It, I think it's just, it's a win-win for everyone when the arena looks like that. Yeah. I wasn't in the student section. I was in a corner taking notes like a loser. I unfortunately was not there either. Um, shame on us for that. But Yeah, so um, I, I'm not shouting out myself here. I guess I wanted to clarify <laughs> that. But uh, it, I was watching it on TV. looked electric. Um, bummed I wasn't there. Definitely credit to the students and Tad Boyle for getting everyone out there. All right. Well, we are running out of time, so I think we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. We are back in the event center on Wednesday the 8th for our game against Eastern Washington. Yep. And then we'll be playing Milwaukee on Friday the 10th. Who Milwaukee should be interesting. I think we're probably a better team than them. But they have a five-star forward who's also a top-ten projected NBA pick. So that'll be our second time where we're playing one of those guys this year. Patrick Baldwin Jr., his dad's the coach. He's their best player. He's a 6'10 shoot, scoring forward with an amazing shooting stroke. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. Matchups will be good. Interesting I was for say, sure. It, Jabari Walker should be matched up on Patrick Baldwin Jr. 
unless we try to do something funky, play zone, double team them, I don't know, put a guard on them. There's anything that we could happen that Coach Boyle comes up with, but that's something to watch for. That'll be that'll be. I want to see Walker on him. I was gonna say that's that, that's what we're looking for. That's I want to know if he can guard guys like that. It's gonna be his biggest test in his young career. And I want to know going into March if he's ready for those types of assignments mm-hmm. because Patrick Waldron Jr. is really good. He is going to be, he's going to look just as good, if not better, than Kennedy Chandler did on Saturday. Yep. His team won't be as good though, which is a bonus. <laughs> well, that wraps up the third episode of the Backseat Fanatic. On our next episode, we will be talking about Colorado's upcoming matchups against Eastern Washington and Milwaukee. The Backseat Fanatic is brought to you by The Bold. The Bold is a student-run digital multimedia publication at the University of Colorado Boulder. The Bold can be found on social media at TheBoldCU and at www.TheBoldCU.com.